We're going to go tonight, uh, very briefly, I'm going to read to you a scripture, and then uh, just two quick verses, and then uh, I'll have you be seated, and uh, I'll kind of move forward and preach a little bit. What I'm here to preach to you tonight is something that uh, I felt the Lord deeply moving in my spirit this week. Uh, yesterday, I came out of a season of prayer, and I felt the Lord begin to deal with me in this certain direction. And then today, it was as though I heard the Lord ask me in the form of a question, which I will share with you in just a minute, uh, what we're going to be preaching and teaching tonight. In Exodus, the 13th chapter, uh, the children of Israel are leaving Egypt. And we're going to go to verse number 21. Uh, Moses takes up the bones of Joseph because Joseph said, don't leave my bones here. They're walking out. They, uh, they leave from Succoth. And then in 21, the Bible says, and the Lord. Somebody say that with me. This is very important for you to get. And the Lord, and the Lord. went before them. By day in a pillar of cloud. Who was it that went before them in a pillar of cloud? I want to get this established from the very beginning. This was not a random act of God in the wilderness. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. What was the pillar of cloud for? To lead the way. Okay? Now, I've... I've uh, I've preached it all my life, and it's not incorrect to say that the pillar was there in the day to keep them cool, and the pillar of fire was there at night to keep them warm. That was not the, the primary purpose of it. This is such a powerful principle that you've got to get in your relationship with God, is that some things happen as a blessing of being led by God. The, the intent of the cloud, the pillar, was to lead them. But when they allowed the cloud to lead them, the cloud protected them. Does that make sense? There is value in following the lead of the Spirit of God. Some people only follow Him for the blessings. Some only follow Him for protection. But I am following him not just because I want the pillar to cover me in the day and the cloud by night or the fire by night. But I'm following him because I don't want to be lost in the wilderness. All right. The Lord went before them in a pillar of cloud. And the reason that he was there was to lead them. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by. Day and night. There's the wording again. To go by. Somebody say to go. to go. The reason it was there is to lead them as they went. 22. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Okay. You may be seated. I'm, it's going to take me a few minutes to work through this tonight. But I'm going to eventually get there. Um, my heart has been so heavy. It's funny how things happen. Some say coincidentally. I say God's in everything. But my heart has been so heavily seeking God. Um, I don't want to just try to over-dramatize this. But my spirit has been distressed. When I look at. What this present religious world does in the name of Christendom. It, it amazes me what some people do in the name of God. And they do it to promote, so to speak, the kingdom of God. Church, I want to tell you something that should be obvious to us tonight. But if God is not the one that's getting the glory then God is not the one that's being promoted. It's not. And what used to be called churches have now become 
centers of gathering. We've changed our names. Uh, uh, and and I'm, I'm not trying to, like, beat a dead horse here. I'm not trying to capitalize on something to sound foolish. But I, wanted, I want you to understand how culture has affected us. We've stopped calling them, not we as in this assembly, but, like, in modern religion and Christendom, they've stopped talking about having services. And we've started having experiences. They're, they're calling them weekend experiences. We're coming together like Disney World. We're coming together for experiences. And I, I know this is slow right now, but I'm going to take you somewhere tonight. I felt the Lord drawing me all day today. If you start watching uh, things that are happening, churches in order to grow, they're bringing in so-called crossed over uh, R&B artists and allowing them to lead worship in their churches and calling it evangelism. Some time ago, I was preaching a convention and right along the time of that convention, there was a, a, an R&B slash rap artist that had released a Christian album. I was not fond of it because... I didn't believe releasing a Christian album makes you a Christian any more than going through drive through McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Right? So this guy releases this album and says, now I'm a Christian, and it made the news. And uh, uh, so in that process, I was just a little bit blown away because people started defending this man that said now he was a Christian and, uh, you know, I, call me slow or whatever you want to call me, but I, I kind of like, I want to see some fruit. You understand what I'm saying? And they started talking about this salvific language, like this guy has given his life to God. And I'm like, we got to be very careful how we talk about this and and. And what we do, because if we are not careful, we are going to allow a culture in this generation, we're going to allow the, the culture to lead the church and not the spirit to lead the church. The Bible does not say that God took the children of Israel and allowed them to lead themselves. The Bible does not say that God raised up a culture of wilderness people that would lead them. The Bible said that the Lord went before them in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And the Lord was there to lead them. And I felt the Lord ask me this question today uh, concerning this assembly. So I'm going to preach to you tonight as your shepherd. I felt the Lord ask me this question today. What will this church, what will this local church, FPC, 630 West 53rd Street. What will this church be led by? Will we follow the cloud or will we follow the crowd? This is the question that must be answered tonight in our hearts. Will we allow the pressure of culture in the 21st century, the crowd that is around us, to affect the way that we follow after the Lord? I look around, uh, not outside the apostolic movement, but now I want to speak about things that I see inside the apostolic movement. And I see fear coming on people that they are afraid that the world is going to identify them as apostolic. I've said in planning meetings and sessions with people that have said if we're going to launch churches into communities, we have to be careful what name we put on the sign because if we put things that allude to apostolic identity, it may scare people. It may cause people to be fearful. I have sat in meetings with people who have said, I don't want people to identify us with mainstream Pentecost when they first look us up in the phone book or on Google. I want to tell you tonight that the world is not looking for another social club they're not looking for somewhere 
else to go to that's got a little bit of Christianity and a little bit of crowd identity. The world is looking for something they're ready to change. They are looking for something that has an identity of change. It's going to sound like I'm trying to be mean tonight and I'm not at all. But I want to tell you that the picture God had for his church was not skinny leather pants. Leather jackets with chains hanging out, chest hair hanging out so the whole world could see. And t-shirts that are four sizes too small. I watched the other day in absolute disgust. Someone had posted a video of one of the most famous worship teams or whatever they're called. I don't even, I, I hate to call them that. Whatever they are out there. As, as the man that was leading that began to make moves. I know we got young children in here. But began to make moves on the stage that made Michael Jackson popular back in the day. Groping himself. Singing to the Lord. Began to move his hips in a gyration like and all these people are falling all over the place oh god i love their music i listen i don't want us to forget tonight again don't think i'm trying to stand on a soapbox but i want to tell you that lucifer was serving in the music department of heaven when pride got a a hold of him and he was kicked out of the heavens listen it is possible whether we believe it or not for somebody to come straight out of the world and bring the influence of the world into the church and do it in Jesus' name and us to fall prey to it and believe that that's the will of God. I, I, want, to be, I, I want to be very clear with this tonight. I want everything that we do in this church to be top-notch. I want it to be cutting-edge. I want it to be good. I want our music to be good. I want our greeters to greet nice and our ushers to take up offerings right. You understand what I'm saying? I want it to be good. I want want to be polished and I want our presentation to be as good as we can give God and we can give one another. But I want to be pleasing to God more than I want to be relevant to the culture. You do understand that the first century church and the apostles were not becoming martyrs because they were culturally relevant. They became martyrs because they were countercultural. They became martyrs because they stood against what the world was standing for. Something has to happen in the church of the living God. And we got to make a decision. Are we going to follow the cloud or are we going to follow the crowd? I have felt like for the longest time. That the Lord was drawing some lines. I'm not talking about lines in the sand anymore. I, I, I don't believe the Lord's drawing lines in the sand anymore. I believe God's making some concrete distinctions right now in the body of Christ. Come on, somebody. I believe that God is making some distinctions right now. I prophesied to this church several years ago that God was going to begin to write another book of numbers, so to speak, in this hour, where he was going to separate his church from the so-called church, where he was going to separate his people from so-called Christendom. I'm not here tonight to cast judgment I'm here to issue a challenge to this church and I want to ask you a question tonight who is on the Lord's side I want to know tonight who is it in this room that desires to be pleasing to God I I, I struggle I struggle so bad with how casual, how casual Christianity has become. We approach God like we're going to some kind of a, uh, like it's some kind of concert or something. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm frustrated when I, when I look at it because people, they take, uh, it's, it's really not fair, but they take churches and preachers and they, they put them all in one big bunch, you know. They, they, they got the guy that was Justin Bieber's pastor and they throw me and him in the same batch. We ain't the same kind of guy. 
I need my britches to be about four sizes bigger than that. Come on now. Listen, listen to what I'm telling you. Please don't think I'm just being ugly. I'm telling you this as a fact. I'm not telling you this as judgment. I'm not telling you this to be mean. But there are some people today that the only reason they sing on a Christian CD label is because they couldn't get signed on a worldly label. The only reason they have a recording contract in the Christian world and play it on the Christian radio is because they were too sorry to get signed by somebody else in Nashville. And it sounds like I'm just being mean. No, what I'm telling you is if we've ever had discernment in the church, we need discernment right now. What are you saying, Pastor? Let me go ahead and break it down for you. Not everything that glitters is gold. And not everything that says Jesus... Jesus Christ warned us that there would be people who would do ministry in his name. They would cast out devils and they would heal the sick. And Jesus said, I will tell them, I don't even know who you are. I don't even know you. Listen to what I'm telling you. Just because ministry is being done does not mean that they're following the cloud. <laughs> there's, there's some things that, that, that trouble me that I look at and we see results. And so because we see results, we're like, oh, it's got to be. Well, I'll also tell you this, that we're, just because you see a crowd doesn't mean there's a cloud. <laughs> I... Uh, I began to read the account of Moses. He comes to the rock in the wilderness. They're all thirsty, you know. And a lot of scholars would agree that this is probably the moment where he and God's disagreement got strong enough where the Lord said, I'm not going to let him go into the promised land now, you know, out of disobedience. There's some, I suppose... uh, contingent things on here whether or not that's true or whatever we do know later we saw him in the promised land on the mountain with the prophet Elijah we saw that he was at least at that point on the mount of transfiguration with Jesus but a lot of scholars believe that this was the moment of disobedience when the Lord told him to speak to the rock and he smites the rock and you know I I've wrestled with this for a long time because I, I really want to have an optimistic way about me to where I, I look at things in an optimistic way and say, well, at least maybe somebody's moving towards God because of what they're doing. Okay? Is, there, is everybody with me tonight? I don't need you passing out sleeping on me. I don't want to bore you to death tonight. I, I, I look at it sometimes, Bishop, I want to say, well, maybe, they're, maybe they are moving people closer to God where people can, they can get close enough to maybe get to know God for themselves. But the problem with that culture is that you get wrapped up in people identity. Mm. Well, this is a little tougher than I thought it'd be tonight. And, and, and I watched Moses in this scripture, and if you've ever heard me teach on how I study the scripture, I like to walk down into the story. I like to stand there and look around. And I'm standing there with all of these thirsty people in my mind, of course. This didn't really happen. This wasn't a dream I had. It was not an open vision. I'm just reading the scripture. And I'm standing there and I'm watching all of these thirsty people. And I see Moses and God off in the distance. They're kind of having their own conversation. And all of a sudden, Moses kind of walks away shaking his head. And he takes a rod that's in his hand on the way by and just Smacks a rock. Upset, you know, for whatever the reason. I don't know. I can't imagine pastoral leadership getting frustrated with people. I don't know. I just, I just don't get it. So he smites this rock a few times. and Then there's rejoicing. There's rejoicing because now the water is flowing. Amen? We hadn't left the book yet, right? 
The Lord says, speak to the rock, and he smites the rock, and water starts flowing. So people are rejoicing. This is what I'm seeing when I look at this scripture. People, they're rejoicing. Woo, thank God, water, water, water. We got water, we can live. And little children are running up, you know, playing the way they do in the chocolate fountain at the Golden Corral. <laughs> Woo! We got water. And I struggled with that. Because in one Bible study, you read the first portion of that, that it was this disobedience that kept him from the promised land. Somebody shout disobedience. disobedience. So when you're reading the Hebrew context of this chapter, they will say, perhaps he and God had this disagreement. And so he doesn't go into the land of promise because he disobeyed God. But then I see people rejoicing in the very next verses. Because they have been given water to drink. And the Lord was trying to get him to speak to that rock to get the same result. Are you with me? And sometimes we get so caught up in the result that we see. When you start understanding that Moses got the exact same response from God for the people. That he would have got in obedience. He got that in disobedience. And so you look at Moses and say, well, he's got to please God because they're drinking water. No, God wasn't endorsing Moses' decision. He was keeping his word. God's word to them was that I will be a father to you. I will be a God to you and you'll be my people and I'm going to take care of you. In layman's terms, the Lord said you're not going to need anything. If you'll follow after this cloud, you won't need anything. Go read it for yourself. Their shoes and their clothing, it did not wear out on them. God took care of them for 40 years. So God wasn't going to let those people die of thirst in the wilderness because it doesn't matter what Moses does. God's not going to let them die of thirst in the wilderness because that's his people. But we got to be careful to look at ministries that are result driven and say they must be pleasing God because thirsty people are getting water. Thirsty people are going to get a drink. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. Oh, I'm in an uncomfortable lane for some people here right now. So do you believe then, pastor, that all these people that are claiming healings are fake? Absolutely not. Do you believe that all these people that are claiming they had this encounter with God is fake? Absolutely not. 100% not. The issue is not God and God's ability to touch people. Listen, if God can show up in the Middle East in the middle of the night to a Muslim and reveal himself to them as Jesus Christ in the middle of the night and then travel all the way to a country where they can legally be baptized in Jesus' name, then God can show up in a carnal church somewhere where there's a superstar that wants to be seen and give people water to drink I feel kind of like an oral surgeon tonight I'm pulling some teeth up in here my 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 but I felt this heavy taxing pull in my spirit from the Lord saying will the church follow after the cloud or will they follow after the crowd And the first time we see the cloud appear is as they walk out of Egypt. Better get a seatbelt right here. I'm going to teach this to you. Ooh, Bishop. You with me? Man, I got the wink. I feel good. Pastor, how can you make a judgment call And say that they're not being led by the cloud. Let me back up and say what I just said to you a moment ago. The first time we see the cloud appear. Is when they're leaving Egypt. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down yet? Clouds don't lead people in Egypt. Clouds lead people. After they've left Egypt. You can't present yourself as worldly to the world that you may win some. Boy, has that 
Has that forevermore been taken out of context? The apostle Paul, I become all things to all men that I might win some. That is so scary to me. When I see people take that so far out of context. You heard me tell you recently of a magazine article that I was reading where these guys wanted to figure out their ministry. Like, what is it God wants me to do? And so they found common interest that they all like to smoke cigars and drink scotch. And so they started a cigar club where men could come after work, smoke their cigars, drink their scotch, and talk about the goodness of God. The Bible study club transpired in the cigar lounge. I was in a conversation with a precious lady in this church the other night. We were talking about letting our good be evil spoken of. And I don't want anybody judging me right here, okay? I'm, I'm just telling you how extreme this is. How many of you would agree with me in here tonight that strip dancers need to be saved? Okay? Right? Is there anybody here that would disagree tonight that strippers need to be saved, that prostitutes need to be saved? Come on, they all need to be saved. So then why don't, why don't we start a ministry... See, you know where I'm going before I even get there. But when we let the same spirit. Oh, God. We don't go to strip clubs to win strippers. I'm not going to the red light district to witness. Are y'all with me? I've been to Amsterdam. I've seen the chaos of that city. I've walked past that red light district and said, whatever we got to do, get me out of here. It smells like skunkweed. <laughs> Listen to me. I know that it sounds like I'm being extreme when I tell you this. This is way out there. I, I realize that. We don't go to strip clubs to win strippers. But we don't get worldly to win the world either. I want, I want to know tonight, are we going to follow the cloud or are we going to follow the crowd? Because when you read about the crowd in the New Testament, it's one of the few places you read that, that word. The crowd, you know, it's in there in the context of the crucifixion. It was the crowd that was crying, crucify. It was the crowd that was crying crucified, but it was the spirit in Christ that was leading him to a cross. This is what you can guarantee, that the spirit is always leading to crucifixion, but the crowd is always leading to crucifixion as well. They want to crucify what is good in the name of evil. If we've ever needed a Holy Ghost filled church in Anderson, Indiana, we need a Holy Ghost filled church tonight. We don't need one that's looking for ways to entice people. God doesn't need our gadgets. God doesn't need a way for us to make him look better. We've got to be the people of God. Amen. Woo. So I started reading about this. This cloud. And this cloud does an amazing thing. I've never, I've never read it on this fashion before. I've preached this many times from this chapter. But I've never seen it quite like this. What the scripture says in Exodus 14. Exodus 14. Somebody say the crowd or the cloud. That's what I'm preaching to you tonight. Is it the crowd or the cloud? In Exodus, the 14th chapter, the 19th verse, they've crossed the Red Sea. And their past is pursuing them. Y'all with me? Pharaoh and his army are behind them. Okay? So Pharaoh and his army are coming behind them. And the scripture said that the angel of God 
And in, in the Hebrew, this word literally uh, is the judgment, like it, it word, the word is the judgment of God. So the judge, so to speak, is the word here that the judge, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. Okay? So the judge is leading them out. Somebody tell me who the judge is. Who is the judge? God. So God is the judge. And the Bible says literally that God, this judge, goes behind them because their past is pursuing them. This is so powerful. They're passing through the water. Right? Why is baptism so important? Because when we're baptized, the judge comes from leading us by his spirit. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Okay? So the judge, come here, dude. Come help me. I know you've been waiting on this. You're so pretty. You want everybody to see. So I'm leading him. In front, as is the judge. I'm saying, come repent. Come repent. When I'm baptized in water, you stay right there and keep facing here. The judge comes behind me and my past that's trying to get to me. The judge says, nope. You, you can't touch him. Because I have led him to this place. And everything that's following him has been washed away. And the Lord, the Lord through Moses, he said, you tell them that I'm showing you this army right now because after this day, you shall never see them again. This is the power of baptism. He leads me to water. He leads me to repentance. And then the judgment of God comes behind me and stands between me and my past. Thank you, sir. Why is it important? Because I need that judge standing between me and my past so that when my past tries to reach out and say, nope, you belong to me, God says, no, they followed me out of Egypt and they belong to me. This, my God, this is so powerful. This is so powerful. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Now, there's some interesting context in the Hebrew of this verse. It's actually something that ancient Hebrew texts have wrestled with for a long time. I've preached it before, and I don't have time to really go off too deep about it. But God revealed himself in many ways in the Old Testament And so they had a difficult time trying to figure out how God could manifest himself in different ways at different times. You know, people still struggle with that. There were times they said at the Red Sea, God had one face. At Mount Sinai, he had another face. And they said it was two faces of God. And because they didn't know what to call it, they called it two powers in heaven. And the the struggle, this goes way, I'm talking about way, way back. This is all the way back in Exodus. I have studied deep, far and wide into this subject. How anybody could dismiss the deity of Christ, I'll never understand. But when you go back into this stuff and you read, I'm talking like hundreds of years before Jesus was born in the earth. The ancient scribes and rabbis were, they were constantly trying to figure out. How it is that God can reveal himself in a burning bush in the desert, right? Yet never leave his throne in heaven. Oh, it's so good. How can he manifest himself in different places at one time? And so they taught this forever, and it was like a big deal. They taught it for hundreds of years that you got to understand the concept of God. 
It's different. They didn't call it two powers in heaven because they believed there were two separate powers. They were trying to teach this idea that God can be in heaven and he can reveal himself in the earth at the same time. He can reveal himself in a fiery furnace with the three amigos. Come on. But he never stopped sitting over the balcony of heaven looking down on the earth saying, anybody that will stand for me, I'll stand for them. But in the Hebrew of this, of this verse, man, this messed with me today when I was studying this. They said in this Hebrew text, they said that at this time it was growing dark, you know. And when you read that 14th verse, it said that the pillar of cloud went from before them to behind them. But the Lord said that when it was dark, we read it tonight. He said, when it's dark, I'll be a pillar of fire to you. Did y'all read that with me tonight? So they said what's implied in this verse is that it was, the, it was time for the evening shift change. That it was time for the pillar of cloud to be swapped out, so more than likely at sunset, for the pillar of fire. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? Are you bored? Anybody snoring in Greek right here? Dreaming in Hebrew. You good? Somebody say shift change. It's shift change. At some point in the day, the cloud becomes fire, and, and they're led by fire at night. Everybody agree? We're on the same page? And this old Jewish commentator said, it is believed that as the pillar of fire appeared before the people, God have mercy. That the pillar of cloud removes itself from the front of the people, but the pillar of fire never leaves. And the pillar of cloud comes behind the people so that it was darkness to the Egyptians. But God's people still had light. God will never leave you in the dark. When you are forsaken your past. But God is there to fight. I started reading that. I thought, Lord, isn't it a mystery to some how it is that you can be the light that's leading us at the same time you can be the cloud that is separating us? Take you about 10 or 12 of them to your seat with you, but take you a few of them with you. How, how can it be? That he is leading them in front of the people. Yet he is hiding them behind the people. I want to tell you how. The Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world. Calvary was not an afterthought in the mind of God. Whenever men fell, God said, I've got a plan. I can go before them and I can come behind them. I can make a way, but they've got to be led by the cloud. Got to be led by the cloud. So what happens if you forsake the pillar of fire in the night and you just decide to go with the crowd? Well, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get lost in the darkness because the cloud hides some things. Listen, young people, I want to tell you tonight, don't you ever despise the things that your parents have not let you see. Some would look at you and say it's bondage to be a child of God, to be a young person and live for God. you got the greatest testimony you could imagine. There's some things that the cloud is keeping you from seeing in Egypt. Don't dis Do not despise the cloud. It's hiding some things from you. When we let our kids do whatever they want to do, you know what? We're not being led by the cloud. I'm, I'm hurrying to a close tonight. I've got to get there in a hurry. But I preached a sermon. Uh, the only way I know it was 18 years ago is because uh, Lauren was 10 weeks old. 
and, uh, and I was preaching a camp meeting out west. And God gave me this sermon. Some of you uh, may remember me talking about it through the years. I don't know that I ever preached it here. Of course, if I would have, it would have been the old building. But I called it the devil's playground about the Amish people. There had been uh, uh, a documentary that was done about the Rumspringa, right? Where when their kids get to a certain age... They make the decision whether they're going to live for God or they're not, you know. And so they let them go on this from Springer. And I I preached about this kind of along these lines that while their kids are doing that, they say that they have allowed them to play on the devil's playground. That was the title of the documentary, The Devil's Playground. It may still be out there on YouTube or something. I don't know. Maybe I'll find it. The Devil's Playground. And man... I had a newborn baby. You know, I had, I had a little girl that was 10 weeks old. And I'm thinking to myself, at that time, I got a, like, I got a baby, right? And I'm like, at what point am I just going to be like, sure, sweetheart. Just go play on the playground. Just go to the devil's playground and play all you want to play. And they started interviewing these little old kids and they said, yeah. Some of us wanted to live the English life, and it was pitiful because most of them in the, in the documentary still dressed the same. They had, they had, they had their, their old-fashioned way of dress, but they were intoxicated, losing their virginity. And then when they got finished on the devil's playground, Their parents say they either make the decision to live for God or to leave the Amish church. I remember preaching, man, there was a crazy altar call that day. And it amazed me because they said, now all they got to do is if they decide they want to stay, then we just baptize them and they never look back again. And I remember preaching that sermon. I made up my mind that day. My kids, there's going to be some things in life that I'm never going to apologize to them for not letting them do. It may not be popular, but I'm going to tell you something. If we'll keep our kids following the cloud, there's some things that they're not going to have to testify about later. I would rather my children say, I've never slept with a man. I've never known the taste of alcohol. I've Are we going to follow the cloud or are we going to follow the crowd? Oh, I'm in, so, I'm, I'm in a big hurry. I got I to gotta wrap it up. I'm like, I'm on soapbox for just a sec. I just do not understand. Oh, Lord, I don't understand why we would put our children in places where they're going to be tempted to do what we've been trying to keep them from. You know how to keep your kids from losing their virginity on prom night? I'm going to let you preach this. No, you can do good. You know how to keep your kids from losing their virginity on prom night? They don't go to prom. Well, that was deep right there, wasn't it? I mean, I just jumped right out there on the deep end. I'm telling you right now. I thank God for the cloud that my mother and dad had me living in at times in my life. I thank God that there were things that were a surprise to me when I got older. I thank God that I wasn't raised by Hollywood. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking about making your kids live in the dark. I'm talking about letting your kids live in the light. The world wants you to believe your kids are in the dark. No, they're in the dark. We're living in the light.
telling you, I don't need anything this world has. I don't need SpongeBob raising my children. I don't need Nickelodeon raising my children. I don't need Disney raising my children. I could care less about a Disney king. I want my kids to know the king of kings. Can we just take a minute and love the Lord together right now? No, Pastor, I just I get frustrated because sometimes I think the church just obfuscates my children's vision from seeing the things of this world. Well, praise God. Can I say that again? Praise God. I'm going to tell you, there's some folks in here tonight that'd be more than happy to share their testimony with you. That you don't have to backslide to have a testimony. Thank God for the people that make it through it. Thank God for the people that make it back. Thank God for that. Thank God for the boys that come to themselves in the pig pen. But thank God for the boy that stayed home. sometimes we just encourage our young people you know I wish we just encourage them sometimes just walk by give them a good old fist bump don't make it awkward just be like I really appreciate your love for God I try to tell my girls that and I hope they believe me probably drive them nuts with it Josh I don't know I was driving along today Taking Graceland to driver's ed. And I just, just reached over and took her by the hand. I just told her, I said, baby, I love that your hands play music for God. And I get emotional when I talk about it. But I told the Lord this morning early in prayer how thankful I was that my kids loved God. I'm not, I'm not putting my kids on a pedestal tonight. I don't ever want to do that to my babies. But I'm going to tell you what I don't mind doing. I don't mind putting them in the cloud. Uh, I remember my dad preaching years ago. I'm hurrying, man. I really do. I got to hurry. But heard my dad preach years and years ago. You've heard me tell this story, I'm sure, because it was one of my favorite illustrations that he would use when I was a kid on the evangelistic field. Aunt Lisa, he had about 10 stories. We were in church 350 nights a year, so you think I heard him a few times, you know? And he'd tell this story. He did a good job with it about the Marlboro Man. I've always had a little cowboy in me somewhere. I don't know. I, I like it. I like the West. You know, I like it. My dad would paint that picture. Driving down the road. Sweat dripping off of him, you know. And you look up at the sign. And on that sign, you see the cowboy. He's got his Stetson hat. He's got his rope and his Wrangler jeans. Man, he'd lay it out there. He'd get up I want to tell you. He said, and there he sits on that horse with a marlboro hanging out of his mouth. They show you the great wide open spaces. They show you the cowboy life. But they don't show you the middle-aged man in a cancer ward sucking for every breath of air that he can get because his lungs are ate up. And man, the whole room would change. As he would say, as a hush comes across the crowd, you know. 
And he'd start talking about, oh, they don't show you. Gasping for air because of COPD and lung cancer. And he'd start breathing. (gasps) Young people are crying and weeping. God, I'll never smoke a cigarette. He said, I know. You're worried about the things you're keeping your kids from. He said, you know what you're keeping your kids from? (laughs) Well, I wish I could turn you loose and let you preach a little bit of it. He said, you're keeping your kids from STDs. He said, you're keeping your kids from lung cancer. You're keeping your kids from burning up brain cells with drugs. You're keeping your kids from cirrhosis of the liver from alcohol. So, in closing, I I got to get there. Hurry, if you guys will trust me and, and just go read this chapter later. You can you can go read it because I've, I've preached so long tonight that I don't have time to preach it fully to you. I had it in my notes. I got to go ahead just a little bit. But in the twenty fifth chapter, the twenty fifth chapter of the book of Exodus. We're ten chapters ahead. The Lord calls Moses up into the mountain. So the cloud is now over the mountain, right? He's in the cloud. What's the crowd doing? The crowd's making idol gods. (laughs) Because if the cloud ever lifts off of the crowd. Man, I'm preaching. I'm just telling you, I'm preaching right now. So the Lord calls Moses up into the mountain. You can go read it. I wish I really, I really do wish I had time to preach this. I love preaching this. And the Lord starts laying out for him. I want you to build a tabernacle. And he walks through all of it. It's so powerful, Brother Jordan. Oh, it's so beautiful. But I love the way that he, he tells him to build it. Every piece of furniture in that tabernacle is different than it was when they built the temple. Because the tabernacle, you know, the temple's built on the temple mount. The tabernacle's built in the wilderness. The temple's not moving. But the tabernacle is. And the Lord said, and if, if you believe that the tabernacle's type and shadow of Christ and type and shadow of the church, you know, we talk about it a lot. He said, I want you to take this Ark of the Covenant, wrap it in gold, do all this, overlay it. He said, I want you to take staves. And I want you to put it on the four corners. He, he was telling them every piece of furniture that's in this church. I want there to be rings on it. Because when the rings are on there, they can, they can take that long rod and put it through the rings that are on the furniture. Put it on their shoulder and move. When does the tabernacle move? When the cloud moves. God said, I want this church in the tabernacle. To be designed around the cloud. I want this church to be built on the idea that whenever the cloud moves, then the church can move with the cloud. You know what I've been asking God to do in this church? I've been asking him to help us design this church from the inside out in such a way that when the Spirit of God starts moving... That God's not having to wait on us to catch up. We've got rings on everything we have in this church. There isn't a program we've got. There's not a Sunday school class we've got. There's not a choir we've got. There's nothing we've got in this church that doesn't have rings on it. That when the cloud starts moving, this church can move with the cloud. Because I want to tell you something. The loneliest day in your life would be to open up the flap of your tent in that wilderness and realize that everybody else had moved on because they had their eyes on the cloud but because you didn't want to be a part of what they were doing and you got weary and well doing you realize that the cloud went off and left you I'm going to tell you something folks I just feel this tonight to tell you this that if we don't learn to follow the cloud right now then we're never going to look and see him descend in the clouds for us in the end time I want to follow the spirit of God I want this church to be spirit led. Oh God. 
I'm closing with this tonight. We can stand. We can just, I just feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. I've been telling God how hungry I am for some things. To be quite honest with you, the crowd has done everything they can to program a move of the Spirit out of the church. Just being honest with you. Everything's on a time schedule, and if it, if it doesn't go at 10.04 and 10.19, if it don't, that's it. But you know what I've seen? And God forgive us tonight. I'm telling you, I'm as open as I've ever been with you tonight. I'm just, I'm wide open with you right now. My heart is laying out before this congregation tonight. But I'm going to tell you what I've seen. The more programmed we've become in Pentecost, the less people I see drunk in the Holy Ghost. This is some of the best preaching I'll do all year right here in this five minutes. The more programmed we become, the less devils we see cast out. The more programmed we become, the less miracles we're going to see. But if we'll get our eyes as a church, if we'll get our eyes as a church, as a youth department, as a choir, as a school, if we'll get our eyes on the cloud, and when the Spirit says move, we start moving. How does it happen, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. When they built that tabernacle, the Bible said that all 12 tribes had their camp. But there was something so powerful about it. And I wish I wouldn't have been so long to get here because I'd love to preach it. But the Lord told Moses, he said, when you build that tabernacle, he said, I want all 12 camps to position themselves so that when they open the door of their home, they're looking at the glory of God hover over that tabernacle. Do you know how we have the glory of God move in our church? It's when every single household in this church turns the doors of our house toward the cloud that hovers over that tabernacle. When we start talking revival at home and we start praying revival at home and we start leading our children at home, we're going to see revival in this church. When we start talking about a move of God at dinner and we don't take movie night at home, but we take prayer night at home and we start talking the word at home, we're going to have revival. How are we going to do it, Pastor? One family at a time. One home at a time. One individual at a time. We're going to have revival. I want us tonight to just lift our hands towards heaven. Oh, God. Let everything in this church, God, be designed for the cloud. Let everything in this church be built and wired to the cloud. God, are we going to follow the crowd? Or are we going to follow the cloud? Tonight, you know my heart. God, you see this church. I love these sweet people. I love this church. Lord, you redeemed these people. But Lord, if we're not careful, we'll get carnal fast. And the crowd will start chanting and polling and distracting. But I pray tonight, God, that we would be so enraptured in what the Spirit of God is doing. That the crowd would start looking towards us instead of us looking towards the crowd. I pray, God, that your spirit would flow through this church in such a mighty river. That everywhere we go, it would pour out on people. And that the cloud that leads us would be the cloud that draws men. Your word said it, Lord, that men are not drawn unless they're drawn by the spirit of God. Lord, let that cloud hover over our lives. And let it be everywhere we go that men are drawn by your spirit through us. I pray tonight, God, that you would consume us with a holy fire tonight. God, I pray that you would consume the carnality in this church. God, I don't want there to be any spot or wrinkle or blemish in this body tonight. I know we're just humanity. And I know we're all going to fail and falter. But I pray, God, that when we do, we would turn toward.
towards the cloud and we will let you wash us and cleanse us I pray tonight God for those who are struggling in their faith I pray tonight God for those who are standing in the fringes and they don't want to jump in tonight that you would lead them by your spirit oh God lead us to a deeper place where we're led by the cloud of the spirit of God I wish somebody would cry out with me right now God let my life be led by your spirit He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I wish somebody would get so hungry for that secret place tonight that you would just find a place and say, Lord, whatever you got to do in me, I want to get under that cloud. Whatever you got to do in me, Lord, I want to be led by your spirit. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, church. You got to answer the question in your own heart and life tonight. Are you going to be led by the crowd or are you going to be led by the cloud? Woo! I'm not going to let a carnal church age lead me. I'm not going to be led by carnality. We're not going to be led by programs. We're going to be led by the Spirit of God. Oh! Hallelujah.